they're not trying to create what already exists, what they've already seen. They're trying to create anew. They're thinking anew. They're thinking beyond their experience. And men, we have to think beyond our experience because frankly, most of us don't have great experiences when it comes to family life, when it comes to looking at a role model as a father and these kinds of things. There's a huge fatherless gap that we need to fill the void of. And how do we do that? Not through reproductive thinking, not for doing a little bit better than what you've seen. That is not good enough for the threats against your family in these unprecedented times. Hey, what's up, friends? I'm Vince Del Monte, father, husband, and the OG of online fitness marketing. For more than a decade, I've been committed to helping skinny guys pack on muscle. And after building multiple seven-figure online fitness businesses, I've achieved freedom and financial security through mentorship, hard work, and my passion for fitness. And I want to help you do the same. Recently, I've built the best mastermind coaching program that exists for fitness professionals by giving you the shortest no BS path to grow to six, seven, and even eight figures regardless of your starting level. My coaching was designed to give you the skills, systems, and support to become an industry mover and shaker and build the business and life of your dreams. Hey, welcome back, friends, to the Vince Del Monte podcast. We have got a fire episode lined up for you today, and uh, I'm here with brother Adrian and our new brother, Isaac Tolpin, a resolute man. And I discovered Isaac uh, during the crazy um, pandemic. And uh, when I was making escape, <laughs> um, Isaac might have been making his own moves at the time with his uh, family. And um, I really tuned into his podcast and his wife's podcast, Courageous Parenting, which was a massive um, inspiration of hope around how to just conduct ourselves during a very confusing time, a very challenging time for all families, regardless of the side you're on. And um, you brought so much light, so much positivity, so much truth um, to the conversations that frankly, a lot of people were afraid. Um, Isaac, first of all, welcome to the call, man. Hey, great to be here, Vince, Adrian. So good to be talking with you both and love what you're doing. Just really appreciate it. It's uh, during during the I, I remember uh, Vince sent me some of your stuff. Yeah, during during some of the lockdowns and said, this is who you need to be listening to right now. You know, between Vince <laughs> and I, we have six kids. We know you have nine kids <laughs> by yourself, but uh, your message has just been landing. So I'm so happy we can uh, finally make this happen. Before the formal questions, just tell us a bit about yourself, um, you know, where you're from and, and what you do. And um, and then we'll dig into a day in the life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm 47. I love to say I'm my age because I love getting older. It's great. 48 in November, <laughs> um, gaining ground. So got nine children, first grandchild um, and living in Idaho, an exile from Oregon during the weird last few years. Right. And just loving it here. Uh, married to my beautiful bride, Angie, and we have BeCourageousMinistry.org as the main ministry over several things we do. But uh, I was an entrepreneur all of my life, actually, uh, business life and adult life. And it's been a, a wonderful journey, but um, I really love what I'm doing now. I mean, the goal is to impact 10 million legacies and uh, have an indelible impact on the world that way. That's awesome. Fantastic. And tell us a bit about... Um you know, a day in the life. We just like to kind of give context to where our advice is coming from with a young family. A lot of our listeners are young, have young families, day in the life, wake up time, training time, you know, diet time with the fan bedtime, just a little snapshot. 
you know, when I was younger, uh, it, with the young family, I would get up very early and, uh, you know, very diligent, get to work and all those things. Things Now it's more like I stay up pretty late. I have four teenagers at home, mm. right? So by the time I'm talking to them and then wife time, you know, and relaxing, it's about midnight when I go to bed and uh, get up around eight o'clock. And then I, I don't plan any meetings or anything until after 10 a.m. in the morning. And so a little different, right? Big family. And we usually have a family meeting around nine in the morning. And that will go as much as 20 minutes to an hour. We breakfast, we talk about, uh, I share some scripture. We talk about what's happening in the world, uh, talk about the day, set expectations and so forth. I'm off to work and um, work, you know, obviously can be flexible. I work very hard, but a little shift that's happened with me is I, I fit as much work as I can in. And then when the family needs me, I I'm there and I work from home. I have a studio on the property and I work from the studio. That's where I'm at right now. And, um, exercise, you know, I, I play a lot of spike ball, volleyball with my kids. I'm obviously having lots of teenagers. That's a big thing. I stay pretty healthy. I, I do work out some, but I don't, I'm not this regimented workout guy, but you know what? All of my kids are, it's interesting mm. that we have a workout system in the gym and they're in their daily working out, super disciplined and all those things. And every once in a while I join them. Yeah. Your, your fitness is what we call functional athletics. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. You stay fit so you can play spike ball, man. Oh man. Um, Isaac, you said so many things I'd love to unpack. I'm, I, I always send questions in advance and then we never get to them. So, let, <laughs> and we might, I, I will cover a lot of the ground, but let me ask you, this family meeting is something that I just, I just want to hone in because it sounds like it's a, a touch point for the family. Can you say a little more about that family meeting concept? Yeah. I, I, you know, so often as guys, I'm sure gals too, out in the work world, it's, um, we compartmentalize too much. And so we go, we have a really important meeting at work and we do that. We have an important meeting over here. We do that. We prepare for it. We deliver the best we possibly can. And then we go home and we don't have these intentional meetings with our families. And so literally all I did was take that same intentionality from work, from my entrepreneurial world. I used to lead, you know, lots of leaders and so forth and that kind of thing in my distant past. And I take that to the home. Obviously, it looks a little different in the family, but it's the same concept of being intentional, proactive, being at least with something discussion point to talk about. And what do we do in leadership? We shape attitudes. We give vision. We talk about what needs to be addressed. We have fun together and we have joyous times together. We equip and address things happening in our environment around us. So we know how to navigate that. And I really believe we're living in unprecedented times. I think everybody agrees with that. And the world completely has changed in the last three years. Mm. And I think everybody agree with that. They really think about it. And so the, the intentionality it takes as a dad and an entrepreneur are far greater and we can't compartmentalize anymore. We have to be solid throughout. It's like integrity in wood is if you have integrity in a board, it means there's no breaking points mm. at all. Mm. Right. And so as 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 men, we need to have no breaking points. None of us are perfect. We're all fallen, right? We need Jesus. But here's the thing is that we need to do the best we can not to have any breaking points because there's too many people in our care that 
that need us to lead well, especially during these unprecedented times where their future, our children's future is going to be far different. So the practicality of the meeting is we have one, first of all, Mm. we have food together, we break bread together and you got to think about it. There's still nine of us at home two of lunch. And so that's a lot of people. There's different intel my wife has given me or I've noticed about attitudes or things like that. So then I'll, I'll hit a scripture that I think is relevant to the family needs. Sometimes I'm just reading a little bit through a book in the Bible over time. I don't skip any scriptures. By the way, if you know the Bible at all, I took my entire family through the book of Romans, for example, which has all of the you know, most controversial scriptures probably in it. Um, so, you know, I don't skip anything and I go, I just say a little bit and then and I discuss it and we talk about it. And then what's interesting, I'm also very versed in what's happening geopolitically around the world and so forth. I feel like that's my duty as a leader to understand these things. And so then I tie some things into what's happening. Obviously discretion because I have a two-year-old, four-year-old and seven-year-old also at the table. So that's a little interesting to, to mm. keep it all, you know, in not creating nightmares and things like that. But it's all in the way you talk about these things. And then we discuss the day and I asked my wife, you know, she's very involved in it too. And I asked the, I asked Angie, you know, what are our expectations for today? What needs to be done today? What could be done better? And she's talking about these things and uh, we pray together and, and we break and we all go do our stuff. And I think that, wow, starting slower on the day with that many people in our house, I've found is really beneficial. Even though I'm getting to work a little later, my most, that is my most important work. Yeah. Right. I can't, I can't think of something, something more valuable than bringing the family around a table. I just, if there was a benefit of the lockdowns, it, if, if there was one, it reinforced in our family, the value of dinner together. Cause we had nowhere to go. Like it, it lasted long. It wasn't like people were. And so we've kept that since then. And I just love how you've painted that picture. People can totally do this, can implement it. You have to have some conversation with your spouse but this becomes like a cornerstone for the family. It does require, it does require a superhero standard, right? Well, you're painting a picture of like is excellence. Unfortunately, excellence these days is painted as mediocrity. (laughs) And the the picture you're painting is, is one that is of being an extraordinary father and to be able to lead your family, you know, also manage your own ambitions, support your wife, like that's a very high standard that's just kind of been lost. Most men are completely checked out. Um, you know, most wives don't even know what nurturing is and don't know how to take care of their man or take even cook a meal anymore these days. Like it's like kind of all gone out the door. Um, and I see you taking a stand. So what I'd love to hear is just what are some of the things your family are taking a stand against, um, you know, to not conform to the pattern of this world? Um, you talked a lot about resistance. What are some of the things that you're committed to helping your family resist? And obviously starts with yourself. Such a good question. I do just want to say to everybody listening in, you know, some of those morning meetings are not perfect. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> That's right. it just doesn't happen to yeah. the totality of what I explained. Right. Isn't yeah. that true? Whenever yeah. we're teaching something, I just want to make sure that, you know, sometimes I'm tired and I don't follow through that inner passivity gets to me and, and I don't do what's, what I think I should do. But to answer your question, um, I really believe the Bible is an inherent word of God. And it's really a roadmap to life. And it's incredible. And with the craziness of the world, I am really trying to impart biblical wisdom in my children and in my family. And of course, my wife is too. We're in a great team together. 
And I think that is helpful because in a world of moral relativism that's growing. Mm. So I believe it's important to check everything and test it with the word of God. And if it doesn't fly with the word of God, I'm going to lovingly have resistance. I'm going to equip my family. We're to Mm. love others well. And I'm teaching that to my family. We need to love people, right? But at the same time, doesn't mean we're accepting all behavior. That doesn't mean we're saying whatever your truth is, is okay. That's not true. There is truth. And we're standing on the word of truth. And as we navigate in the world, I'm leading by example. My wife's leading by example in this. And when we see things that are against this, we're going to be as loving as we possibly can be. But for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we're not going to let those things, this normalizing sin and moral relatively penetrate the walls of our home. And we're going to go out and be lights. We're not going to be judgy. We're not going to be overly preachy, but we're going to share the word in the ways we can. But at the same time, we're going to do everything we can to equip our children to thrive in this world while being different from the world. Can I, can I ask, can I ask about Romans for a second? You, you referred to Romans as one of the most controversial, controversial books in the Bible. And I, I understand some of the references you'd be referring to, but Romans is like my favorite book in the Bible. <laughs> like, like Romans seven, when he's talking about the things I hate to do, these things I keep on doing, like, I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah, there nailed me. Like got me there too. But I love Romans eight, you know, like if God yeah. is for us, who can be against us? Like if Amen. more than conquerors, like these are wonderful, wonderful passages. Yeah. And, so, and so maybe my question is often what happens when we're, we're resolute or courageous in our beliefs, people hone in on the, the negative and miss the beauty of life to the full. You know, I love the glory of God is man full, fully alive. How, how do you guide your children and these, these um, uh, uh, legacies that you're, that you're supporting? Like, how do you guide them that way? Well, just speaking of Romans, uh, that, that scripture 12 two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by mm-hmm. testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And this is the scripture that you're referencing earlier, Vince. And I think that that is it. We're to discern everything. And while we need to be balanced, right? You can, you can take a scripture and you can hit someone over the head with it, or you can take all of scripture and really understand the heart of God and what's happening and be biblical. So I think as parents, as leaders, it's important to not just narrow in on the scriptures that are fitting our narrow viewpoint of something, but instead to give a breadth of truth, Mm. uh, which is the grace of God and all these different things so that we have an understanding of the heart condition of humanity. We're all fallen, right? So we're not, not looking at ourselves as better than other people. We're all fallen. We all need Jesus. I think that is really important. Gives us a heart posture of understanding people that don't and to not have any hate within us for anybody, but that doesn't mean we're accepting of what goes against the Bible and allowing it to influence our family. Yeah, I would say, you know, there's the father of truth, but there's also the father of lies and, and the father of lies. You know, he's at his greatest work when there's confusion, right? Satan is the father of confusion. I think that's what's being experienced more than ever. People are just confused. 
even at a barbecue, people don't even know what to say anymore. Like, can I say this? Am I, can I jump in here and say, no, that's wrong. That's actually not true. That's not sound. That's not acceptable. Or we're so confused, which is why I love, you know, the family meeting, being in tune with the word of God, you know, being plugged into source, being plugged into the Holy spirit, right. Finding time in the day yeah. to hear what the word of God is, is speaking to us. And um, that's a discipline. You know, that's a daily, daily discipline. So um, yeah. I think our, we were pretty protected and saw a lot of things as black and white. I believe there are certain things black and white, but I also think it's good for kids to, I think, think for themselves and kind of come to their own conclusions. It's something that I'm trying to foster with my kids. Like, you know, my daughter's in gymnastics and, you know, they were neither, um, you know, she wants to wear a bikini and, um, you know, I don't want to make that a big deal, but I like to have a conversation around it as well. Just how do you navigate, you know, what's your perspective on some of the tougher conversations that you're going to have with your younger teens, um, you know, young kids around just maybe touchy subject matter. Is it, you want them to think for themselves, but you also want to express truth. You want them to come to their own conclusion. That's always my belief that they see like, you know, this doesn't make sense because of that. Kids are freaking smart and they can kind of decipher right and wrong because that innocence is built into them. But, you know, how do you foster that innocence and that, um, that discovery of truth and kind of navigate it without it, without them coming up with their own truth? You know what I mean? I totally know what you mean. I think it's a mix of both. And what we don't want is this religious spirit in our homes. And what I mean by that is, a lack of relationship. Mm -hmm. So sometimes parents don't even realize that they go to church on Sunday, they barely break the word of God open, but they, their expectations are here about behaving righteously. Mm. But there's but there's a lack of real why relationship with children and pointing them to a relationship with God over and over again in the rhythms of their parenting and relationship with their children. And then what happens is they don't even realize that they have more of a religious home. And that's why 70 to 80% of children raised in Christian homes are leaving the church by age 18. Yeah. I believe yeah. partly is because is because there's this lack of that. So in your example, I just talked about on the Resolute Man podcast, new podcast, uh, this last episode was on cultivating critical thinking in your children. Mm. And I think that is exactly what we're talking about. It's so important that we're teaching them not just what to think, but more how to think and how to think critically. So anchored on the word of God and then incorporate critical thinking in that. So I love what you're saying right there is having, instead of just saying, no, we're not doing that, having engaging in a deeper conversation, trusting her intelligence, because children rise to the level of intelligence you believe they have. They rise to the level of responsibility you believe they have. Right. So you're trusting your intelligence. You're having a deeper conversation, even though she's young and talking about, well, let's look at you know, what the Bible says about modesty, for example. And let's just take a look at that and let's pray about that. And what makes you want to do that? And likely, right, it's, it's the peer influences around her. Everybody else is doing that. Likely, that's usually the case. Yeah. And so having those conversations about it and then, you know having influence. Now I said, it's a bit of both because as parents, we also have the authority. We are the God authorized authority to disciple our children, raise them up and equip them. 
And saying no to something is appropriate sometimes. But in addition to saying no is the why behind it and that long time together of discussing to where they really understand, even if they still don't disagree. And I think that's really, really important. I think what we're modeling for our children with them is loving other people well, even when we disagree. And isn't that how we all as adults need to operate better today in this weird world? Is we need, as Christians and as entrepreneurs and whatever we're doing, we need to learn how to be in disagreement when something is we're never going to budge and agree on, but still be loving. And loving doesn't need to show that we agree. We need to be able to agree. A peacemaker isn't someone that just always agrees with everything. Blessed be the peacemakers. Well, peace is where righteousness kisses truth, right? Right. So it says in Psalms. And so without or righteousness, I might have that a little bit wrong, but you have to have righteousness in the equation as well. And otherwise, you're just creating fake peace with your children. You're creating fake peace with other people. We need to get good at disagreeing, how to use our words to disagree while not going along to get along and still loving people well. I, 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 I hear you. That that sounds like the ideal. My 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 bet is some of your even though like even though there's so much love in what you're saying and your approach and it's grounded in relationships. I imagine you've made some enemies along the way. Some like there's the as you said, adults are not good at disagreeing with each other. They're they're just they become nasty. How do you teach your kids that when you have a viewpoint that's different than somebody else's, the 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 goal of this the goal of this is not to win the debate. The goal is to have some kind of relationship, but it's also anchored in a truth, as you said. So, I'm just curious. Like adults do this terribly. Like that's why so many discussions end in like raising your voices and storming away from the table. What kind of things would you be teaching to your kids to help them do better than we're doing? Say. <laughs> It's, it's, um, so when you're disagreeing with somebody, it's easier to disagree with someone if your relationship is stronger, actually. That's right. So, so, so by the temperature of, so you have to gauge and we should teach this, how strong is my relationship? Mm. Because the number one focus is that we're a good witness if we're a believer, right? So how, how close is my relationship? Do I have the kind of relationship where I feel like I can give them, say something that is truthful that they may in the short term disagree with, but in the long term is helpful to them and say it in a way that seasons with salt where it can be loving and so forth. So that's where discernment comes. That's where the Holy Spirit in us in discerning. Is this a time to say something and give what might feel like a hard truth to somebody? Mm. But isn't that the loving thing? It's not like, here's an easy one. If someone has something on their tooth and you're in a group of people and it, do you say something even though everybody sees this, but it's going to be a little bit embarrassing because you brought it up or are you just going to let them continue to have this thing on their tooth until they go in the mirror and it's like, why didn't Adrian tell me that? Yeah. Yeah. I thought, we, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, so that's just a very mild version of it. Yeah. But we all need that. I think we iron sharpens iron. You can't sharpen iron unless it's getting worked a little bit, unless sparks are flying and part of it's getting sharpened, right? 
And so there is no iron sharpened iron if we're not disagreeing with each other sometimes, if we're not calling each other out sometimes. And so isn't that the kind of relationship we want to build? So yeah, you have to discern when is it a good time to do this? When is it not? And unfortunately, yeah, you know, not everybody likes me. And, hmm. and I feel it, you know, when that happens, I'm a human, it hurts. I get some hate mail sometimes for things I post on the internet or whatever my wife does too. Uh, we've had death threats even just for speaking biblical truth for the courageous parenting podcast, things like that. Um, we're very loving in what we're talking about, but we are sharing truth also. And we are standing firm. That's the way of stand firm hats is to remind us to stand firm. Yeah. And it's so important. I think these days, because if our, if children watch us not standing firm, their future is going to be even different. The trends, we all know how things are going, right? So are we really equipping them by our example and how we're navigating these things? And yeah, you have to, I understand because some people are working in jobs out there in companies and you do have to be careful. You have to be wise because we also have to provide for our families. So you have to walk in wisdom. Not everybody has the freedom I do. I recognize that. I'm working in my studio right here on my property in Idaho. But part of it is that I orchestrated my life this way because I wanted, I felt suffocating and I wanted to be able to freely speak the truth and stand for truth because I have so many children watching me. I mm. felt like I've, I've got to do this. I've got to reorientate my, my life so that I can do this. And I'll tell you, even moving from Oregon to Idaho was a freeing experience. Talk to us a bit about that. You know, we moved to, you know, Franklin um, built a home there over 26 months, primarily because of the politics, um, great schools for kids, a lot of faith um, Christians there, um, a lot of very family based people, virtually no one's there from Franklin. It's like California, New York, yeah. everybody's from everywhere, but uh, Franklin. Um, yeah. Tell me a bit about Idaho and like, you know, what are, what are some of the reasons you left and, you know, why you felt that was necessary and other things that you're planning on there's now news in the airways of you know new potential lockdowns coming potentially this fall and all sorts of stuff people are asking me all sorts of questions i know you're up to date with that yeah I'd just like to hear about like you actually physically moved that's a big deal um why with nine uh, kids what what have been some of the best benefits so far um and how you've seen like do you have another move planned or are you guys settled here for now or what would cause another move etc yeah i think we're settled and god provided just an incredible place we had to, we moved in faith though even if that meant renting a house and just you know you know learning the area and so forth but god really had a hand in it you know a just real quick story when the when the lockdown started happening and they're requiring masks of children to go into the grocery store, to go anywhere in Bend, Oregon. I'm like, my kids aren't wearing masks. I'm not wearing a mask. This ain't happening, right? At the first few weeks, I understood, like, let's see what this is and what's going on. And it is real, right? We all got COVID several times. And I know people died of it. And it's real. But it's also been used for evil in a lot of ways. And I'm just not having it. We're going to exercise the muscle of standing firm and not participating in that so when so we got in an rv and we went on a six-week rv trip to texas uh to arizona places where we weren't required to wear masks and 
we were kind of looking a little bit, but not really planning to move. We got back to Bend, Oregon and six weeks time, it got like vigilant. People were crazy about if you didn't wear a mask and you were outside in a park, people were getting not arrested, but removed by police. Like you need to leave. So <laughs> it's just like, what? Okay. All right. That's, that's it. We're moving. We're leaving. And I, I read a book called strategic relocation. We've probably sold thousands of copies of this book because our most popular courageous parenting podcast episode is why we strategically relocated. You can look that up courageous parenting podcast, because it goes fully into all the reasons. So really it's the politics. I, when it finally came to this, it's like all these things came to reality and really it's, I want to be in a place where freedom is embraced, where the people are strong and freedom minded, more conservative, right? And because I knew this is just a warm up, there's going to be more things. And sure enough, it's starting to happen. I just reposted my do not comply um, post from years ago on Resolute Man. I just put a story up today because I think it's needed again. I hope people do not comply with craziness. And I know it's tough for people. I get messages all the time. I lost my career. I lost my job uh, because I wouldn't get vaccinated and these kinds of things. You know what? I want to be in a place. So I love it here. A couple of reasons I love Southern Idaho is it has the same climate as Bend, Oregon. Bend, Oregon is high mountain. So lots of sun all year round, but you get all the seasons. Same thing here. But the better thing than Bend is I can grow things and growing things might be really important in the future. So we've been exercising the muscle of growing all kinds of things on the property and um, just, you, you know, you mean, you mean act, act, actual things you're like growing like yeah. food. Yeah. yeah, we just we just harvested 260 pounds or so of onions, um, potatoes, melons. I can't believe it. We have cantaloupe. There's the best cantaloupe I've <laughs> ever tasted. Watermelon. We're growing watermelon yeah, um, cool. this year. You know, all the stuff. Yeah. So let me let me ask. I mean, if I could, I'm trying to connect the move from Bend to your um your uh, uh, morning meetings, your, your, your family meetings around the dinner table. And I think there's a huge parallel here. You are willing to do things differently for the sake of your children's future. Or what is the thing that drives you to be courageous, to, to do things, not to not conform to the patterns of the world? Like um, what, what, what compels you? Because everyone knows there's things in the world they disagree with that are happening to their kids and their family. But, you know, it would be a little hard to rock the boat. Like, it's not that bad. You know, we like, we, we, we excuse it all away because it'd be too hard. You're making big daily decisions and also geographical decisions. What drives that? Well, I trust the Lord. Yeah. Okay. First of all. So therefore, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm tuned in, but at the same time, I'm very aware of seeking comfort. Okay. Human beings, men are very much comfort driven and if we're too comfort driven, what happens is we don't make, we make good decisions, but not best decisions. We make good decisions and sacrifice of very best decisions because best decisions always require discomfort. You guys know this as coaches. So best decisions are out there. So I'm always looking for the best decisions. My life has been extremely uncomfortable. Mm. My entire life is good, amazing, wonderful, but is it comfortable to have nine kids? Is it comfortable to when we have such an amazing, we planted a church in Bend, Oregon with some other people. And 
it was amazing. We had amazing community friendships and our children had friendships and all these things. So wait a minute, you're going to uproot and leave. Well, yeah, because I'm good. I'm a coach to myself, right? I understand coaching. So I asked myself a good question, which is, would you, Isaac, encourage your children to have children and raise them here in Bend, Oregon? Hmm. Uh, no. Well, Isaac, then why are you living with older children in Bend, Oregon? Am I really going to lead by example? Wouldn't I rather be in a place where it's better for their futures and maybe more likely they'll stick around? I think it might be more important in this unprecedented times that family do live near each other to help each other. So as I think about the bigger thing, I think also we have vision. Not everybody has the skill of vision, but everybody needs to have vision. So some people are talented visionaries and some people are not. But every, if you're a parent and you're married, you, you have to work the vision muscle. Because mm -hmm. if you don't have vision, then we're too short-sighted and we just do what's comfortable. Yeah. And we put off the hard things until the hard things become even harder to do because mm. prices go up, because circumstances change, and all these kinds of things. Got to hold the vision. Yeah, that's really great. So intention, everything is built around intentionality. What are the... Um, things you might be concerned about with the future? Yeah, gr great question. I love that. You know, I, I, we have to live in both worlds at the same time while fearing nothing. God calls us not to fear anything in this world, okay? But at the same time, walking in wisdom. And I believe walking in wisdom is understanding the trends and what's happening around us so we can make wise choices in navigating our lives, families, careers, all these kinds of things. And so I just see an increasing level of authoritarianism and a decreasing level of freedom to say it more simply and i think everybody's feeling that and that is a concern that is a concern and so i am orientating things and doing the best i can to be in preparation of that for example i think that men should have at least three different sources of income coming in now that's hard to do and they shouldn't be in different directions because that's almost impossible to do. But it is important to think about like what happens if this source of income dries up. These are things I'm navigating myself. I'm not perfect at this. You can know something and still be wrestling with trying to make it happen, which is definitely my case, right? But I think it's wise, for example, as a provider to think about, okay, what needs to change in my business? Another thing is foresight. As the future changes, foresight is so important. And so it's really important as business people, as entrepreneurs, that you're thinking way into the future. One of the key things I do with my children is make sure we play chess together. There's a bounty. If they beat me, they get $20. So far, I think two people have gotten the $20. And they're motivated. Why? Because the more moves you can see ahead when you play chess, the better a chess player you are. That practice is working the mind. So in business, the more moves you can see ahead. Well, now it used to be like, that's how you just excel and beat everybody and do super well. And there's only some people doing that. Now it's required. <laughs> okay. So we, you kind of, we're in a mode now where we really need to start working a muscle, trying to see more moves ahead, thinking like that, because we need to do some real clear thinking and to think about those moves and thinking about the trends of things so that we can make adjustments today that the future will require 
but aren't necessary today, which usually requires expense, breaking our comfort zone and doing things when they aren't needed so that when it when they are needed, we already have done it. Because in this environment of rapid accelerated change, is unprecedented times, by the time it's needed, it could be, I don't wanna create fear, but it's true that it could be too late. We need to be proactive in thinking ahead for our families and in our business. We need to exercise the mind. We cannot just be going along the same old path and expecting that same old path in our business to keep working in the future. Yeah. We have to think ahead and be innovative. Can, can I ask about thinking ahead? Su such a great answer. One of the things we have the guys in our group do. So in the first month, we have them do a body transformation, right, Isaac? And everyone can yeah. see that. Like lose 30 pounds, your body will yeah. physically look different. Like you see the Love it. you see it online, right? Before and after. In our second four months, what we do with the guys is have them paint a family mission statement. We took the idea from Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families. The guys struggle with that way more. To paint a vision for yourself is way easier than painting a vision for your family. And I'm trying to figure out why I'm trying to figure out why that's so hard for guys like to make a family mission statement. He walks you through the steps, like how to do it, how to, how to like, it, it's, it's very straightforward, but it's not, the guys aren't like, diving it's, not the, it's not the trophies of our world, man. It's uh, sorry, Adrian, sorry, Isaac, but it's <laughs> our world is just idolized, you know, you know, the, the truth's been poison and, and lies have been exalted. And, and most of the lies of today are, you know, the two P's and the two F's, pleasure, power, fame, and fortune. It's, it's, it's the idols of the world. People aren't plugged into source and God anymore. So there's not value in, like, you can't post a photo of you and your family and get like a gazillion likes, but, you know, it's just, maybe, I, I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? It's just, these are the true treasure of the world is being placed by temporary trophies. I think that's why you're getting a lot of hard buying. I think that, yeah, um, yeah. I think a lot of people, a lot of people are sacrificing their number one mission for their greater ambition. Yeah. Ambition is fine. Another right. way to say that is don't sacrifice your number one mission for your ambition. Right. So our ambition needs to be in the right place. So it's a lack of priority, but I think it's deeper than that. I yeah. think what I think, there's not an example they can look to in their life to write something up to, that they've seen. And I think a lot of times we are good at describing things we've already seen. And so there's this thing, this, this book called, I think it's called think better. Don't get me on that, but there's one part of the book. The only part that I felt was good, but it was really good is there's reproductive thinking and there's productive thinking. Okay, so most people are in reproductive thinking. I think this is the issue is you're calling them to do something that they can't reproduce from what they've seen. And we have to work a muscle of productive thinking, which Apple did valiantly. People, business people love this example. They came up with Think Different back when the iPhone launched before that, obviously, but that led up to this. And and they were Steve Jobs was giving people what they didn't even know they wanted. Mm people resisted, right? But it's because you can see their example is they're not trying to create what already exists, what they've already seen. They're trying to create a new, they're thinking a new, they're thinking beyond their experience. And men 
we have to think beyond our experience because frankly, most of us don't have great experiences when it comes to family life, when it comes to looking at a role model as a father and these kinds of things. There's a huge fatherless gap that we need to fill the void of. And how do we do that? Not through reproductive thinking, not for doing a little bit better than what you've seen. That is not good enough for the threats against your family in these unprecedented times. What's good enough is new thinking completely new so when gents when you look at that thing they're giving them giving you in their program which is wonderful this is such an important thing it's important that you're working a muscle thinking anew and i do this i used to do this on fridays when i first really started doing this which is spend one to two hours with no technology in a coffee shop a journal open and one problem to solve and I wasn't allowed to Google anything. I wasn't allowed to touch technology, all notifications, off, phone off, everything. Zoned in, pray, do, start drawing things, brainstorming. It's amazing. Solving things. G- give Push us an example. Give, give us, give, what kind of problem would you solve? But, no, back then it was a lot of, um, it was a lot of uh, business stuff because I, I, I led two states and I had 32 offices, leaders running them and so forth. And so there was, there was problems of conditioned thinking in the environment I was in. Uh, of this is how it's always been done as 70 year old American company. Right. And I was an entrepreneur for them, but, um, but I, but I also was controlled in some ways. Right. And so I had to think anew, like, why is that an issue? And I would just take one thing at a time and then I'd push it out. And we, out of that, we came up with things that the company had already tested to be not good, ended up doing them and proved that they were best. And later, the whole company, the rest of the company followed suit. Why? Not because of my brilliance. No, I don't think I'm brilliant. I think I, I, I exercise, like you have people working out first, which is amazing because you get in shape and you feel great. Your energy goes up. But there's this other muscle we have to work, which is our brains. And we need to work that muscle in new ways and do productive thinking because the brilliance is actually in everybody. God Created all us, all equal in value. Isn't that wonderful? And so, and we all have these brains that are underutilized. So I've worked, I I purposely worked the muscle of my brain and in these concentrated times to solve problems. And things would come up that, wow, I wonder if that's gonna work. And that's different. And these kinds of things. But then you have to have the confidence to implement and move forward. And uh I saw. I saw incredible things to the tune of doubling doing, we're already doing millions in revenue and doubling that. And still that's never been done in that environment to this day. What happened back then? And it was, it was a really a result of asking God to impart wisdom on me. Remember we have an infinite God, whether you, uh, whether you believe that or not, I'm just telling you, we have an infinite God and we are (laughs) finite. And so us as finite creations can tap in to an infinite God by him imparting wisdom upon us because we're believing and we're allowing and we're not getting, being distracted. Why wouldn't he want to give us good intel since he loves us so much? I believe he does give me good intel and therefore I think I hear it. Hmm. I, lo- I love that. Maybe t- I can take the last question, Agent, if you don't mind. Um, you know, I don't think Christian men create enough space if any in their life for magic, mystery, and miracles. Um, God's work. I, I've caught myself earlier this year. I had a, a Christian call me out and he said, it sounds like you're praying for God to fulfill your agenda. 
And, you know, when you use God to fulfill your own agenda, I mean, God will destroy any trophy, any idol you create in your life, including himself. He said, God isn't a means to an end. He is the end. Jesus is not a means to an end. He is the end. And I really spoke to me because I'm like, wow, I'm not creating space in my life for God to do his job. And I've heard God say to me, do you mind if I do some work here, Vince? <laughs> okay. Do you mind if I step in here and, and do something? I mean, it sounds like you want to do it all yourself, but you know, I could help out. Um, what practices do you value most that help you stay plugged into source, Holy Spirit, that are just like your non-negotiables? I think it's just really neat to know what happens in the dark, you know, behind, you know, when the cameras aren't on that really keep you where you need to be to lead. You know, I tell my children that what you're doing when nobody's looking really tells you what's going on and really tells you where your spiritual walk is. Because it's easy for us to whip open a Bible, a church, and it's easy for us to whip open a Bible when someone has a question or when we feel like it makes us look good or we should, whatever the reason is. But are we whipping open the Bible because we want to know more wisdom from our Father in Heaven? Because we have a relationship with our Father in Heaven? Because we're trying to grow closer and draw closer spiritually? So we talk to, if you have a relationship with someone, what do you do? You have communication. Okay. So there's, if there's no communication between you and somebody else, do you have a relationship? The answer is no. Okay. Not really. You might be, you might be saved, right? Cause that's a mystery of God. That's an incredible thing that happens when you believe in Jesus, but a growing strong relationship is something else. That's our journey. And that journey can be so stifled by idolatry, which you've mentioned in these different things. The, there's, there's no wonder why Andrew Tate is the most revered person to men, I guess, in the world. I guess that's what he says. I, I don't know much about him, but I'm seeing some of this stuff in the news and I'm seeing him and I'm not, I'm not here to diss on anybody. But it's all of those things you were talking about, Vince. The idolatry is what I see a lot of. And I think there's something really special about humbling ourselves before our father, reading his word. So that's what I do. I read the word. I pray to God. I trust my Lord. And I just want to draw closer to him. And I'm not perfect at that. Sometimes I, I'm not doing that as much. And sometimes I'm doing that more. But my encouragement is to draw in. This world is falling apart. Yeah. But we can have joy and peace at all times because this world is like this compared to eternity of our life. We do live forever. It just depends where we live. And you know what? We have an all powerful God that loves us and wants relationship with us and has all the wisdom. I want that wisdom, mm. not just for my game, but so I can be more useful. So my life means something so I can lead my family when I'm deeply insecure sometimes inside. I just want to tell you guys, I have insecurities like the rest of us. I sometimes don't feel worthy to do the Resolute Man podcast or to do the Courageous Parenting podcast or to speak or to do a family meeting and things like that. I sometimes am just, you know, are, do my words mean something? Are they important? And we have to fight that. That's the enemy trying to convince us not to be who we're called to be, to do the jurisdictions we're called to do in a great way. Hmm. And 
we have to fight that inner passivity that we have. Remember, Adam was watching Eve eat the apple in the Garden of Eden. There's passivity from the first man. Yeah. And that's the Adam complex that is in all of us. And we have to resist that passivity and step in and lead. And sometimes that's giving a hug to somebody that's leading. Sometimes that's, you know, saying encouraging words that inspire somebody when they're feeling down, even though we're not feeling great ourselves. A lot of truth here today, Isaac, I appreciate you bringing it and um, just uh, leading with, with timeless truth. Um, thank you for that. Where can people learn more about your work? Yeah, resoluteman.com. Also, uh, everything is at becourageousministry.org. And I just appreciate everybody. You can find me on social media at Resolute Man, Isaac Tolpin. So, so glad to be here, Vince and Adrian. You guys had some of the best questions I think I've ever gotten on a podcast. And I just really appreciate your thoughtfulness and love what you're doing to impact people. And coaching, by the way, anybody listening, I just want to say coaching is vital. I've had times in my life where I've paid coaches and they've helped me. And it is such an important thing to have somebody walk with you and guide you. And it's not weakness. It's actually greater strength when you're getting help. And I think a lot of men fail to get help when they need to. And you know what? That's being weak, actually. Being yeah. strong is asking for help. I always like to say my, my difference between a coach and a man, I'm a coach too, but I think consider, I think a lot of coaches are dumb. What I think most people need are mentors. <laughs> um, yes. You know, the difference between a coach and a mentor is a mentor is willing to share with you all of their mistakes and lessons as well. So you can surpass them. A coach just wants to sell you on the next month. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just being extreme here, but I, I love to have a mentor that's achieved what you want in excess. So this is, you know, Isaac, you've, you know, raised a family, you have what many want in excess, you know, so I think that's really cool. So continue leading the charge, man. Um, I think it's really awesome what you're doing as well. The Courageous um, Parenting Podcast is outstanding as well for everybody listening. You guys got to check that out. Some of the best content online that you can plug into. So thank you guys. And anybody who got value from this episode today, please uh, pay it forward. This is your chance to share it with the world. Tag a friend on socials. Tag Isaac. Tag us. Men of Bedrock at Vince Del Monte. We'll reshare it to get the... Uh, good word out there to more dads who uh, need this encouragement and push and um, truth to, to lead from the front. It is an extraordinary call. Many are called, few choose. So I hope you're the one that chooses. So thanks everybody.